to. All right. So praise the Lord. All right. That was really good. The patch club. So fun in the sun is coming up. And so uh, if you uh, want to help with that, they weren't asking for help. But if you want to get involved in that, that goes on every summer. So in the summertime, we kind of shift the focus, uh, try to get a little bit more fun going on, outdoorsy stuff. Uh, but yet it's still going to be a curriculum of, uh, you know, dealing with the 1040 window. So that'll be good for our, our, our youth to continue to grow in that. And we do pray that as our kids get older, some of them, God would call them into uh, missions, right? And we'd be willing to let go of them. And as we talk about comparative religion, that's really one of the things that we're doing is helping fortify our hearts. We need to be more committed to the truth or committed to the truth in a way that we can spot a phony and we can uh, get the gospel where it needs to go on time. So let's go ahead and review where we were last week. And today I want to finish up uh, where we were last week. And then next week I'm going to I'm going to really jump into some other categories. And I'm going to be a little short on time to get them all in, but I'm going to try to skip over a lot of those next week. And then uh, there's a couple. I may drag it on to a fourth week when I uh, get back in. Um, I think I may have another week left. I got to think about that. Next week's the fourth. No, I'll be. I won't be here the following week. So when I get back, I can probably uh, maybe hit a session just on the charismatic movement, which you, you don't think of as around here. People don't think of as a like a comparative religion, but there is. It is important to understand all of those things and where the doctrine takes you, and so on and so forth. But anyway, uh, as we've been studying, last week we started in First Thessalonians two two thirteen. Uh, Paul said, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And so we talked about the goals of what we're trying to accomplish as we get through here and how important it was for the Thessalonians to receive the word of God as it was in truth, the very words of God. And at the end of the day, uh, that's really what's at, at stake when we talk about uh, what God is doing in the world versus what the devil's doing. It's all about corrupting the Word of God. That's why we take such a strong stance here at HBF on preservation, that God can and has preserved His Word. And that is not a, uh, most churches will say that, they will say that same thing, but they don't really mean that He preserves it like in written form. He reserves, He preserves it somewhere in the original autographs of which none of us have access to. Therefore, you must go to some scholar who can tell you what the word of God is. Well, we believe that God says, you know, what he says, Romans or uh, Psalm chapter 12, he preserves his word. So since Genesis 3, the Bible, the words of God have been under attack and twisted. And and that's really what's so deceptive uh, about um, knowing the truth, right, uh, is the devil knows the truth. And that's where he twists it, just puts a little leaven in and corrupts the whole lump. And so uh, we got together and we talked about how heresy... Uh, began and it ends with Satan. And we went to Ezekiel 28:13, Revelation chapter 20. Um, uh, we talked about that war that is uh, has been raging since the beginning and how it works its way out into, um, you know, the world in which we live. Uh, we saw the purpose of the study is to bring, a, bring the practical nature of the major doctrines of Scripture to light by setting them on the backdrop of false religions giving every member of HBF an opportunity to gird up the loins of our mind and give an answer of the hope that lies within us with meekness and fear. So that's ultimately what we're, we're trying to do with this study. It's, this is a, only a four-week. I have this thing at one time I did for like 12 weeks, so I'm trying to pack it all down you know, into bite-sized pieces as best I can. Uh, 
Uh, and so there was, a, if you've been to my old, other classes, I, I changed this point. It used to say heresy begins and ends, uh, and begins and ends in heaven. And I changed it with Satan because ultimately it could be confusing. Uh, I did that because the real battle began in the third heaven. And it's worked its way out here. And I talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, Satan was in the garden before Adam. Um, Satan introduced the first heresy uh, into heaven, which is true. Uh, and Satan's, and that's why he drew a third of the angels away. We talked about that last week. Satan's decision to believe in his own lie caused casualties. And that's really the thing that really hurts us uh, when it comes to, um, you know, the, the damage that's caused by doctrine. It's not just like, oh, someone else believes something different than I believe. Well, yeah, that's true. But at the end of the day, it hurts It hurts people. It sends some people to hell. They, they miss the truth. Um, or it corrupts people from the simplicity. It beguiles them from the simplicity that's in Christ. And that does have major consequences, some of which I mentioned last week, um, and I've even touched on Sunday morning. If you don't understand the role of Israel, you know, you can have a geopolitical perspective that, that sends people to war, right? You gather up little... Uh, children and you send them off to to fight a crusade against the Muslims and <laughs> they don't even get off the shore of uh, Spain before they're or France before they're collected up by the Muslims and sold into slavery or butchered. You know those are historical factoids of people who don't know how to rightly divide the Word of God. Uh, there are casualties for not understanding how to rightly divide the Word of God, and some are very tangible. Um, and so there's nothing new under the sun. Of course, Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 11, we talked about that. Nothing should surprise us because what we see uh, has already been. And so we talked about that, uh, and the Bible is true. So the fall of man, starting with the fall of man and human nature uh, and its corruption, the kingdom of darkness, the dispensational truth, understanding how God dispenses his grace differently over time. We talked about those things um, being locked down. Uh, understanding the Bible helps us understand the degeneration de- of man. And so, uh, you know, using the book of Judges, we talked about apathy, apostasy, and anarchy, how that led Israel from God's will to bondage uh, of their enemies. And, of course, that happens even today. In Genesis 9, 19, 5 through 7, um, you know, we see there they, they called unto Lot, and Lot said unto them, Where are the men which came uh, into thee uh, this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And I talked about... How the perversion um, of uh, the, the consequences and the, the perversion uh, that has been pervasive in the Old Testament is here today, right? So this in a really practical way, Christians shouldn't be like, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe this is happening. We, well, sir, we believe it's happening because it's happened before. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, and so what we see uh, transpiring before us just in our own culture right now uh, where it appears uh, that um, homosexuality is, and, and really just sexual perversion is so pervasive, it's, a, it's, it's just a plague on our culture. And if you dare say anything against it, you know, you're the bad guy and all of those things. Well, that's all just what's already played out. We saw that in Genesis 19.5. We saw that in Genesis, uh, in Judges 19 as well. And so um, uh, it's, it's just the way it has always been when men are left to themselves uh, to de- to degenerate, uh, right? Um, what we used to call light in the loafers becomes militant, and the next thing you know, you're like, "Whoa, what, what, what's going on?" These people are trying to beat my door down to take me to take my to take me uh, or my friend, and now I'm going to offer my daughters, which is more perverse, right? So we talked about that, that, that how men uh, degenerate, 
And ultimately, we have to hold fast to the faithful word and worship the one true God uh, based in truth. Uh, we talked about um, biblical Judaism last week as we were wrapping up uh, and, and talked about the Jews are lost if they don't acknowledge or receive Christ. Um, however, they do inherit the kingdom of heaven. So those are some doctrines that if you don't, if you don't uh, understand uh, the Bible in the New Testament, you're not going to understand uh, how God lays those things out for his kingdom uh, and how the church inherits the kingdom of God. Of course, we teach that in D2, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. So all you D2 folks have just learned all of that and you have it down. You're ready to get up and teach it, I'm sure. So anyway, worship Satan, um, you know, is in his fault and his angels, you know, based on the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. Most of the pagan religions, you know, going back to the Babylonian religions, um, they just appeal to the flesh and to worshiping of fallen uh, angels and deities that are, are still worshipped to this day, um, and are venerated in our and even in our in our entertainment system. A lot of people, for instance, today in our culture, probably have no earthly idea. You know, like the Justice League and the Marvel and all of that stuff is simply a rehash of old pagan deities. They don't even know it. They just think, oh yeah, Stan Lee made all this stuff. There's nothing new under the sun. Stan Lee didn't make nothing up. He's just stealing old stuff and rehashing it because, well, Stan was pretty smart. And, uh, and he's just re, respun it. So people are, 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 now they're not, I'm not saying they're worshiping those things, but they're acclimated, uh, to those things as a form of entertainment. Uh, and so when we get to the, the, after the rapture of the church, it won't be a big deal when they start seeing, you know, Genesis type of six activity going on again. They'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, we've always known that. And so uh, a lot of, a lot of weird things going on. Um, Worship of self, though, is probably one of the biggest things that, that is the, 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 is so deceptive. Um, we talked about that, uh, just basing the pride of life and the philosophies of men. And you'll find that in a lot of Eastern religions, humanistic philosophies, New Age philosophies. And a lot of these, as I mentioned last week, all dovetail together. And the worship of creation, uh, where we worship the creature uh, and not the creator. Sometimes it sounds very moral. Um, and uh, and it's just wrong, right? Right now, the whole ESG thing is is kind of like that. So something that started off, you know, with a green movement is all of a sudden transitioned to a social movement. And if you don't if you don't adhere to that, you are you know you're out of the, the club. And so that's that's a plague on the culture of the of the world, not just the United States right now. So um, there's going to be pushback against all that. There might even be a moral revival. Problem is, is unless you have a Bible, you're not going to be able to discern, um, you know, who's leading that. Uh, because the devil is an angel of light. Right now, Islam is leading a lot of social movements that Christians are getting in on up in Michigan. This is true. Uh, just in the last few weeks. Oh, thank you for handing those out. If you don't have a handout, Jesse's coming around uh, right now with anyone. If you need a handout, stick your hand in the air. Like it's 1980, and you can wave it like you don't care. Jeff is in the back even waving. Yeah. He says, I'm in the 70s. I got the peace, 60s, 70s. I got the peace sign going. <laughs> date, don't date yourself. Oh, you need two of them. Sorry, brother. <laughs> if we can't have fun at church, where can we have fun? So anyway. Um, okay, so all that's just review. Uh, I got off on a little tangent there because of uh, the fourth point about worship and creation, but... If you don't know, then these things about what you believe and really know the truth from error do show up. So up in like Dearborn, it wasn't Dearborn, but Lansing or somewhere up in Michigan, there's a movement, uh, you know, pushing back against, uh, you know, the perversion of 
and, and the, uh, of, the, of the children, and it's, it's led by Muslims because, well, they're openly against homosexuality. They're not ashamed of that, uh, and Christians are, are so timid uh, that, they, you know, they tiptoe around it. And so the, the Muslims are leading it, and the Christians are following them. Something's a little upside down and backwards about that, right? Uh, but I know, I mean, it's, this stuff isn't stuff I'm, like, isn't touching Heartland. This stuff touches our church. And we, praise God, we've had some really good, and we do, I say have because some of them have transferred to other like-minded churches. But we've had some, right here in this church, people that have brought friends, people I know, people I'm not going to say names of, they're still members of our community. They come in here and I make a comment about homosexual perversion, and man, they're out because I'm a bigot or I'm a whatever that is. No, I, 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 I love homosexuals because they're sinners in that sense. I, I, love, I don't care. You put your flag out on my, out here on the driveway. Well, we put it, I put it in my window. Put John, or Genesis 9.13. I mean, God made the rainbow. I'm not scared of the rainbow. I'm not scared of, of any of that. Right? God died for sinners. And so, uh, He died for all perverts. You know, we just don't, you just, it's just, these are things that happen when we get off of the truth and begin to worship the creation more than the creator. And before long, you can't even discern what's up or down, right or wrong. That's actually a fundamental function of, of us not getting the gospel where it needs to go on time. And so, um, okay, so that leads us to point three. Um, oh, I just covered these. Moving on. That's what I was just talking about. And you guys have covered that last week. What's that? Well, I'm sorry. We did all that last week, so I'm take a can you take a photo click? <laughs> worship one surprise worship one Satan. That's not what I'm teaching. Um worship self, don't do that and creation. All right. I think that will hit your hit your blanks if you're trying to catch up on the blanks from last week. All right. So um, okay, so now we're kind of catching up where we left off. So let's uh, open up our Bibles, Second Corinthians chapter two and verse eleven. Uh, the Bible says there um, <clears throat> that we're not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. And so I'm going to slow it down a little bit because last week I kind of was in a hurry, kind of flying over this. Second um, Corinthians chapter two. And verse 11, the Bible says here, uh, notice, and I, I think I mentioned this last week, he said, he, this is dealing with forgiveness, uh, and you know this chapter, this is dealing with that guy who was in sexual sin, by the way, with having a relationship with his mother-in-law, and so Paul is addressing that in verse 6, he says, sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many, so the contrary wise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Then he says this in verse 11, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices we're not ignorant of his devices or are we right um so we talked about what heresy really is if you define it i mean in its strictest sense uh let me back up there 
you know, heresy is a, is a, um, it just means a, a sect or like a section. It just means a section out. But, it, and, and, you know, Webster defines it as a fundamental error in religion or an error in opinion respecting some fun, fundamental doctrine of religion. Uh, but in, in countries where there is an established church, an opinion is deemed heresy when it differs from the church. So we would opt for that first part of the statement. Uh, and, and Webster, uh, Noah was wise enough to understand the history of church history and knows the persecution faced by Bible believers. So he throws in there, and also heresy is defined as this, when you take a, uh, you know, a stand against what the ch- church state says. So he throws that in there. Of course, referring uh, to what you would call the inquisitions, the scriptures being the standard of faith, uh, any opinion that is repugnant to its doctrines is heresy. That's the position that we would take. But as men differ in the interpretation of scripture or an opinion deemed heretical by one body of Christians may may be deemed orthodox by another. So uh, Webster's leaving room there for other opinions in scripture. And primitive usage, heresy meant merely sect, as I mentioned earlier, a party or doctrines of a sect, as we now use denomination or persuasion, implying no reproach. So there, again, and I mentioned last week, um, the word heresy hasn't, depending on the context, is what he's saying, is doesn't always have a negative connotation historically. As the word, uh, I mentioned last week, the word cult. So in Western context, especially American context, when you say cult, that's auto, that's a that's an automatic negative thing, right? And it should be. When you, and we have books written on it, and you got Hank Hanegraaff, Kingdom of the Cults, right? And what we know, what we mean by that, cult means uh, a her, heretical teachings, and a, and a you know we all think of Jim Jones taking people out, giving them Kool Aid, killing them, and all that kind of stuff. That's a cult, uh, and that is a cult. But if you go to say Europe, like Romania, the the the, the word. The same word, literally, uh, Latin-based word for cult is used in Romania, and a cult means a sect. It just means the Baptist cult. Are you a member of the cult? No. Yeah? You know, I'm a member of the Baptist cult. So they still use that terminology in Romanian language. It doesn't mean necessarily that you are a, uh, you know, you're with Jim Jones, or you're, it's not even, it just means you're a different sect of religion than the established state religion, if there is a state religion. So if you were in Germany, the state religion is Lutheranism, but you might be in the cult of of those uh, those Baptists, those people who believe in the Bible as their as their authority. So anyway, so it just depends on that that uh, the usage. So heresy uh, in our context is is a bad thing, right? It means that it's a deviation from the truth of God's word, and uh, it is something that we do not embrace. And so. Um, disconnecting the mind and heart from the truth of God's word is the principal way Satan takes uh, place in our lives. And uh, that's what he's looking for is a place to work. And when he disconnects uh, the mind and the heart from the truth of God's word, he's got a place. Uh, and that's what the church is here for is to help us uh, to, to, to magnify God's word, the truth of God's word, so that our hearts and our minds are right. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And, of course, that produces something. It produces a heart of obedience to God the Father. That's why the doctrine of preservation, as I started with, uh, is so important. If we don't have the words of God in our language, then we must trust another person or a scholar to tell us what the Word of God says. And that puts us squarely in what Revelation talks about in chapters 2 and 3, is the doctrines and the deeds of the Nicolaitans, right, where they exalt themselves over the laity. 
So at this church, it's our priority to make sure that you understand the words of God, that you know you have the words of God, you study the words of God, and you can know the word of God. Um, and with all due respect to scholars, um, that we all have the same Holy Ghost. And you can be a scholar, and there's nothing wrong with that. Not all scholars are evil. I'm not saying scholarship in itself is evil. But exalting the authority of, of learned people above others because they don't – because, I mean, hey, listen, if you study to show yourself approved, you show yourself approved unto God – a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And just to stick a finger in people's eye every so often, God will just raise up somebody out of the, out of the blue that is just absolutely uh, gifted and learned uh, who hasn't gone through whatever school they need to go through just to show that, hey, I'm still large and in charge, and I'm the one who stewards this. I remember when I was in shepherd school that my pastor that I was under at KCBT, uh, a couple of those guys – I'm not saying the others weren't sharp, but a couple of those guys are really bright. I mean, I would sit underneath them and go, wow. I mean, they're at a whole other level of thinking. And I remember being in class one time, and uh, and Pastor Jeff Adams was talking about doing a, a conferences down in Central America. And, of course, he's fluent in Spanish and probably some other language. I don't know. But he's he's down there doing all these conferences and, and just how impressed he was at some of the things that these uh, these poor preachers come back with. He comes back a year or two later, and they come showing up after learning some basic principles at a conference on how to study the Bible, and they come up a few years later and start laying things out that God's been showing them. And he's like, wow, where did, you know, where is that coming from? Well, it's coming from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it's coming from people, guys who are salt of the earth, preachers that don't have two nickels to rub together, who love God's word. And are serious about what it says, like the Thessalonians, and they just are simple people, but yet God downloads truth and gives them insights that, that uh, like this, that preacher had never seen. He's like, wow, that is impressive. And of course, it should surprise us, should it? Right? Because, well, that's how God works. If our hearts are right and we believe this book and we're willing to put the time in this book and study this book, He's going to show you who He is. He's going to convince you of His Word. All right, so uh, let's move on here. So, I am still under point one, aren't I? Sorry, let me back up. So <clears throat> heresy is designed to keep saved souls from being edified. Second Corinthians chapter 4, let's go there, and uh, we're already there. So let's go to verses uh, 1 through 4. Uh, Paul here writing to the, to the Corinthians says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking <clears throat> in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of god but if our uh, gospel be hid it is hid to them that are lost in whom the god of this world uh, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light the glorious gospel of christ who is the image of god should shine unto them uh, there's a lot packed in here especially in verse four there's well in all of it but in verse four we see some things number one there's a god of this world and there's an active God of this world, and he's blinding the minds of them uh, which believe not. So there is an active engagement going on right now. It's not a conspiracy. Well, it is a conspiracy, but it's an active spiritual war that's going on right now. And it's been ra- raging uh, throughout time. And, it, and the idea is to blind the minds, not the eyes, but the minds of them which believe not. So when you go to work and you go to school, right, or you go to Memorial Day weekend dinner with your families or whatever, and you're like, how do they not get this? <laughs> you know, 
understand how many have been there i've been there my mind was blinded when i was lost i mean i was literally the antithesis of everything i am today in so many ways i mean just unbelievably lost uh blinded right from the truth of god's word uh and so it doesn't mean i didn't know about noah or i didn't know about the ark uh, or I didn't know about some basic concepts of the Bible, but when it came right down to light and darkness, I was darkness, and my mind was in darkness, and my heart was in darkness, and I, I, I gravitated to that. And I watched today, there's a lot of rhetorical, a lot of what gets the clicks, especially my clicks, if you're a social media person, you know, they try to reel you in with all these little reels and clicks that you'll watch. Well, what are they? Typically, they're rhetorical things that you are interested in. So they'll throw out these rhetorical positions uh, and they'll have your favorite whatever voice or some 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 voice out there that has got good rhetorical skills or at least they've they fashion these little videos to get you drawn in so that you can listen to some rhetoric and go back and forth and argue a point and typically it's going to be from the perspective that you want to hear you know you, it's your guy right so uh and and uh not always but sometimes it's like that you're not getting the other side of it right because we're in a filter bubble and so the other folks on the other side are getting that, and that's just continuing to build a chasm. Well, the, God really doesn't take up sides. He's just right. We're all wrong. That's the truth. And uh, and so anyway, you get into that. You get into that cycle, and you forget that you know really the ultimate truth is God's word, right? And it's easy to get your mind blinded from the simplicity that's in Christ, and you get into these rhetorical cycles and circles, and and um, you know oftentimes they don't change anyone's life. Because they're lacking forgiveness. You don't see Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 dealing with forgiveness saying, Hey, and by the way, since this guy's such a loser morally, don't ever let him back in the church. It's quite the contrary. He's like, I need, now I need all you conservatives to get real liberal. <laughs> I need you to be liberal in love. Oh, yeah. Why? Because this is the Bible. This is Jesus Christ. And he's at a whole nother level. Right. And so uh, if there's going to be um, socialism, where's it going to be? It's going to be within context of a local church where we care for one another in a context socially. So there is that goes on in the church. So you have to be careful with these things as the devil's so subtle. Uh, he will beguile your mind. He'll attack your mind and beguile you uh, from the light of Christ. And, of course, with lost people, he's beguiling them from the glorious gospel of Christ. So a lost person can sit there all day long and listen to their arguments without even giving it a critical thought because it's just feeding their ego or feeding whatever blind position that they have and never running it through the actual absolute truth of God's word. And so if you listen, uh, you know, discreetly, even to your own position, there's going to be things when you put it against the Bible, you're like, I get what they're saying, and but, you know, biblically that's not exactly accurate, you know, because the Bible trumps everything else. Or it's the right words, but it's the wrong Spirit. Or you can have proper words in the wrong spirit. And, the, and God gives you the discernment. Say, so, okay, I'll leave that out here in the garbage pile, but I'm going to bring the truth. I'm going to stick to the truth of God's word. That's trying the spirits to see if they're of God. You can't do that when you don't have the Holy Ghost. You're just completely given over. And the devil is actively working against the minds of lost people, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. If he can keep lost people in a four-while loop, just trying to earn their righteousness or being caught up in self-righteousness, I'm better than the other guy, so my position's right, theirs is wrong, so I'm superior, well, man, he's got them right where they need to be. 
Some of my favorite voices are probably people that are lost and dying and going to hell because they've never received the grace of God. And they're morally right. Paul was morally right, but yet he was wrong because he rejected Christ. You see, when he boils it all down, that's it. Where is Christ at? Christ is number one. Christ is all in all. Christ is it. And there's not, it's not a left or right issue. It's a Jesus Christ issue. Uh, he's right and we're all wrong. And he has to be preeminent. And that's what gives us the grace that we need to reach out to people that aren't like us, that don't, that, that don't think like us, that don't talk like us, that aren't slim shady like us. Anyway, so, uh, some of you know that. But, uh, anyway, slim shady is not a biblical reference. Don't look that up or listen to it. <laughs> so, but, uh, you guys understand what I'm saying? There's active, active spiritual work against the people that, that in this world that are lost. And not all of them are on the opposite side of your, of your binary way of thinking. Um, and so uh, the devil's working hard on the left and the right is what I'm trying to say if in an American context. So Satan wants to keep Adam's fallen race from inheriting eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's what his goal is. Bottom line. And our goal should be the opposite of that, trying to get everybody, left, right, or in the middle, <clears throat> into Christ. That's it. Uh, so Satan also wants to destabilize the saints and the church through false teaching that attacks the character of God. That's always his, his mode, is to attack the character of God. Go to Acts chapter 20, and of course these references are up there. Acts chapter 20, and look down here at verse 28. So some of these, most of these false religions are going to do that. You know, you take the Mormons and Jesus Christ is the brother of Lucifer. You take, uh, you take, um, the, the Muslims and Jesus Christ, good guy, but he's a prophet. He's not the creator of God. Though in, in, in the Quran, he does create, which no other prophet can do, uh, by the way. Uh, and so, um, so, you know, they mischaracterize the nature of who God is or Jesus Christ, who is God, typically. Uh, that is what they're going to do, because that's what Satan always does. He did it in the garden. So in verse 28, you see this. says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That's why oftentimes people say, you know, Heartland is your church. I'm not careful. Like, no, it's my church because I'm a member, but this is not my church. This is Jesus' church. He paid the price for the church. I haven't, I haven't saved one person in this church. Jesus Christ has saved everybody that's born again in our church. Right? I just preach the gospel. I tell, I share the good news. I don't make it. Um, Jesus is the power. He has shed the blood. He is the, He is the proprietor of the local New Testament church and the church with the capital C. Um, alright, so, uh, moving on. For, for I know this, that after my departing, this is what Paul said, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, and also your own selves shall, uh, of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. So Paul was very aware that there was an attack, not just against lost people, uh, who were blinded in Second Corinthians 4, but also the church. There will be people 
that want to make disciples after themselves and draw people away. They're going to say perverse things to draw disciples away after them. So they want to be, what does that really boil down to? They want to be worshipped, right? The worship has to go on God, not on man. And so if you see a guy who's needing to suck in a lot of worship, your your flag should go up. Your yellow flag or red flag, go the other way. That's not good. First uh, Timothy chapter 6 and verse 2. First Timothy 6 and uh, verse 2. Paul here speaking as well says, And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren. Interesting concept, by the way, uh, for people who think slavery is about misogyny and, and oppression. Uh, which you'll hear a lot of that today in the culture. Um, if it wasn't for your Bible, there would be no relief from misogyny and oppression. There would still be slavery, which was normal in the world up until uh, the advent of the Civil War and the other revolutions around the world at that time, but primarily the United States of America. There wouldn't have been a Liberia, right? So why? It was because the Bible itself puts this thing on on blast and says you got to you got to deal with the subject of believing masters and servants and how you treat one another because Paul very clearly said you have to respect them as brothers you cannot treat a slave that's in Christ or any other human by the way uh, even if they're your property you can't treat them as though they are less than human which was what was going on in the United States and that's why God judged our nation right there were people that were treating their slaves as less than human well that's not biblical it's never been biblical. God's never, God redeemed over 50%. When Paul's writing this, over I think it was 65%, if my memory's right, and it's just going from memory, so I could be wrong. But I believe it was 65% of Romans were slaves during, the, during Paul's ministry. And they weren't all black, by the way. A lot of them were white. And a lot of them were Jews. So how about that? Yeah, because people enslaved people. And so this is what Paul said. He says, and they that, that are believing, have believing masters, there's an expectation if you're a believer and a master, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strives of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But, with, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So Paul's kind of cutting to the chase here. Later he says, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. He's like, there's a worship problem going on. And the devil has gotten into the relationships of humans where there's some something or someone else that they're worshiping other than God, and it's corrupting their relationships. You can work in a slave-master relationship uh, if, not saying that we want that, but you could if both parties are following Christ. But they obviously, men's corruption is a mess. And he says, listen, these people that think there's something more important than being godly, uh, like gain, uh, and are being greedy of gain, uh, they're not godly. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And so God would test those masters just like he tested those that were servants to them. Uh, and notice the erosion of authority leads to heresy. Uh, this is what happens when the Bible, the Constitution, 
and the rule of law are desecrated and humanistic philosophies are elevated. Uh, This is called enlightenment, and it really is going into darkness. But it leads to anarchy, just as it did in Judges and Genesis. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 uh, and verse 1. This is what Paul says. This is, this, is, this is us. I mean, he's really bringing it home. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And as much as I would love to just say, I'm not any one of those things, you know what? The truth is, in our hearts, I think we all struggle with those things in these last days. It's easy to get self-centered, boastful, or proud. Uh, you can just go through the list. Oh, God, by God's grace, you know, our flesh is capable of any one of those things, or all of them, for that matter. Let me put it that way. So what keeps us straight is Jesus. Uh, but these, there are some that are having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. They don't have the spirit of God. They have a form of godliness, but they don't have God's spirit. For of this sort are they that which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and ever able to come to the knowledge of the truth. It's not a problem of learning and taking more Bible classes. The problem is they don't apply them. They don't live it. And this whole creeping into houses stuff, when I was in Bhutan, they literally, their culture so uh, so upside down and backwards, the last Buddhist monarchy on the planet. Uh, They have a culture, and I won't get into all the perverseness of it, and it is perverse, um, as you could imagine any pagan culture could be. it's tied into their religion. But one of the, the traditions that they were sharing with me was how they go into women's bedrooms at night and steal them uh, for their pleasure. And it's like part of their culture. I'm like, wow, I mean, that doesn't fly in our culture. You know, you, you sneak into my daughter's bedroom, you're, you're asking for it. And I, I'm not kidding. And so, uh, <laughs> I mean, that is like part of their crazy, wicked culture. Like that's like fun and games and, you know, and like they're not talking like hypothetically or in, in story form. They're like, oh, yeah, that's actually goes on. I'm like, what? You know, I just as a, as a, I can't even get my mind around that. But the Bible, Paul's talking about about people who act godly, who are creeping into women's houses. Silly women laden with sins, to be more precise. Um, and today, you know, you just open up your Windows program and go to the wrong website. and You'll be able to do that. So things have changed. When I first got saved and I read this, I would sit there and think about people crawl into people's houses. Boy, isn't that, that things have changed a lot in the last 30 some years. There's lots of people crawling into people's houses that shouldn't be there. It messes up marriages, breaks up relationships. I'm telling you, beloved, that's heresy. That's heresy. That's dividing people from God, dividing people from their spouses, dividing people from their families. That's Satan having a heyday with the with people's flesh, and the devil and and God is saying, "Hey, look, there's people there's people that will deceive the the people in the church in the last days. You got to be careful. You have to be careful." So notice that Paul says that there are some who love pleasures more than God. 
it's not that they're ignorant of God as, as the philosophers on Mars Hill. Like they didn't even know who God was. It wasn't like that. These are some who have examined what God has to offer and what the world has to offer and have chosen the pleasures of this world over God. They're like Lot who looked on Sodom and said, you know, I think I'll go down to Sodom. Here at the men's conference this, this year, I, I preached on that very subject of how Lot found his way down to Sodom, right? He just turned his gaze that way. Next thing you know, he's living there and, and so on and so forth. So this could be our, our Christian child uh, who comes up in a Christian home and has a Bible, has a Bible memorized but doesn't love God and refuses to keep his commandments. Uh, Philippians 3.2, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Paul is speaking about religious lost Jews. Teaching that the, the law means to be saved means that you trust in something other than Jesus Christ and his finished work. Know the law thoroughly. Know, know the Old Testament, but would refuse Jesus Christ. When you talk about those things, there are people in her- heretical churches that are long established. Uh, and these are very religious. But they teach that you have to work your way to heaven. They're very popular today. Um, and you may agree with some of their social positions. Nothing wrong with their social positions, but their soteriology, which means salvation, is a very big problem. And when the fundamental thing is to get people from darkness to light, so how you get saved is the fundamental issue. Because if the devil can leave you moral and lost, he's happy. Now you're just a moral lost person, and when you die, you go to hell. And, uh, and man, that's not, that doesn't make me happy. That should grieve us at our soul when, when people uh, are moral and yet they're lost. I remember Edwin, Ed, uh, Edward, uh, Edwin Raphael McManus. Some of you guys know him. He wrote the book, uh, uh, as Jonathan Goforth wrote, By My Spirit, uh, Unstoppable Force. And in that book, Unstoppable Force, he, he wrote about uh, he was living in Southern California. He still lives out there in L.A. Um, he's a Southern Baptist preacher, but. He was bringing one of the points he made about Christians today is how can you be a Laodicean Christian? How can you be a casual Christian when the, your neighbors are lost and they're Muslims or they're Buddhists and they're getting up early and they're praying and they're doing all these sacrifices and they're more into their false religion than you are into Jesus? I mean, there has to be some fidelity. That doesn't mean we have to like put laws on ourselves that we don't need. We're free. We're free people. But we shouldn't use our grace right as lasciviousness. What's going to draw that, that person in that false religion, in that heresy, in that cult to Christ is us really authentically walking in the Spirit. I mean, we have to be the real deal, authentic. We have to have the power of God in our life. And that's what Paul was lamenting in 2 Timothy 3, is that there's these that know all the answers, but yet they don't have the power of God. The Spirit of God is quenched. It's grieved in their life because they're doing things that, that quenches the Spirit. So the power of the Spirit is not in full force. And I think in the church, and I'm not talking about every other church, I'm talking about our church. I mean, if I think about this even in my own life, and I, I, I ponder this very thing in my own heart, is, is what am I doing and what is going on in our church? Do we allow sin that, that would hinder? Like what's going what's gonna to stop God from busting forth a revival Sunday morning at the park? You know, what's, what's keeping the Spirit of God from, from drawing people to the park, people that we don't even know about? You know, you know, you go back and you read Jonathan Goforth and you read even Billy Graham. You know, they would get together and they would pray. 
before the meetings, long before the meetings, and, and instead of me just ranting tonight about the Bible, they'd be on their faces before God weeping for lost souls. I mean, the reality of, the, of hell and the separation of, of man from God and the, and the urgency of the hour to preach the gospel, and it's not about the preacher, it's about the whole process of God having a, a moment, you know, and you'd read about Jonathan Goforth and, and, and they would pray, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not about them praying, it's about the spirit of God's it's about God's desire to see people reconciled become so preeminent that all of a sudden God just shows up. I mean, the Christians are freaking out. They're like, wow, what's happening? People are repenting. People are getting saved. It's a genuine movement of the Holy Ghost. What is it? It's like Acts. It's like, it's like the power of God. What's hindering that? Well, Brian, it's dark out there. Well, yeah, that's a great backdrop for the light. What's hindering it is the church. I don't think it's the world. And I and I own that. I'm the pastor, so it starts with me. So, man, I'm getting convicted as I as I talk right now. We need to really be in prayer about all the things that we're doing. What what good does it do to draw lost people on our property if the Spirit of God is not actively working in our lives, drawing them to repentance, drawing them to the light of Christ? Man, I tell you guys, God's given us a great an open door, an effectual open door. I've had a lot of people comment. They're like, whoa. Saturdays, soccer, who are all these people? These are the people God wants to save. And I pray Saturday or Sunday, a lot of people come out and and more than we could ask or think. But God forbid that we're not grieved over those that don't know Christ. And, you know, there's plenty that come that know Christ. Maybe there are other churches and all that. Praise the Lord. Not everybody at soccer is lost that isn't a member of our church. I get all that. But some are. Some are. Many are, not just some are, many are. Okay, that's not in my notes. I'm getting off on a little tangent, so forgive me. Paul is speaking about religious lost people, though. We don't want to contribute to that. In uh, Philippians 3, 2, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. Now, that would include Gentiles. Gentiles are dogs, uh, but he's talking about those Jews. Satan doesn't mind if we have strong religion as long as we have weak relationships. Satan wants you to believe lies that destroy your relationship at home, at church, at work, and at school. That's what he wants us to do. If he can get us to believe lies that separate us, that's, that's what heresy does. It separates, divides us. Satan's devices are designed to destroy. They are designed to destroy. So this point answers uh, the question, why should we care? You know, not caring about what... And how the enemy desires to destroy you and blaspheme your God is like not caring if someone breaks into your house and rapes your daughter or your wife. As a Christian, a shepherd of the flock, it's my duty to know the truth and to set people free from error. I'm probably way too casual about people who aren't set free from error. If you know someone who's going to drive their car off a bridge because they don't know a bridge is out, I mean, wouldn't it be a good idea to flag them down before they do it? Before they go over the edge. So here at Heartland, we're not we're not uh, you know we're not five point Calvinists. Second Corinthians four three through four clearly teaches us that the battle for souls is fluid, and it's a believer's responsibility to be a light house in the midst of a dark world. Again, that passage that we read in Second Corinthians four three. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and it's an if statement. 
in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I, I don't know how that fits in a Calvinist box, but when I read that text, it's very clear that the battle's on for truth and error, light and darkness, souls of men. And it boils down to relationship. The biggest, the biggest thing that the devil wants to do is divide people from, from God. He wants them to be lost. He, he delights in destroying Adam's race. The darker the day becomes, the brighter our light should shine. That's our mandate, right? That, here, our vision and mission at Heartland, our vision anyway. Our mission really is based out of Ephesians 4, but our mission is based out of Philippians 2. That is to be a light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. I just can't help it that God put us here and it just fits so well. I can't help but say that's what we got to do. That whole chapter 2 is about emulating Jesus Christ. That's what the whole thing is about and, and lighten it up. And so I was just driving down the highway the other day thinking about I had a vision years ago. I don't mean like a vision like, you know, Paul on the road to Damascus, but I was just envisioning it'd been cool. It'd be cool to have like a big, super high watt. Uh, light that just beams out of the out of the property here. So when people drive by, they're like, "Oh, that church that has a big light beam coming out of the ground," you know, like Batman, but it have a cross in it or something, you know. And uh, I was talked out of that idea though because I said that might not be a good idea with an airport nearby. I'm like, no, that's true. Why not though? You know, when the clouds come, you could see the cross in the clouds. That'd be neat. Have to be some pretty high power stuff. But you know what? That's just symbolic of being a light. Right in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Spiritually, that's what I pray we are. I pray when the forces of darkness look out on Cass County, it's like, man, what is that bright spot? You know how the sun hits a mirror or something and you can't hardly see? Wouldn't it be cool if that's what it's like when the, when the forces of hell looked at, at, at you know, 21203 East 283rd Street on a Sunday morning? There'd be so much light resonating out of here they couldn't even look at it because of the glory of Christ. Man, that would be amazing. The darker the day and the brighter the light. One of the signs of Satan's influence on society is found in Romans chapter 1, verses 31 through 32, and 2 Timothy 3, 3. There's a lack of natural affection. A lack of natural affection. A lack of care for humanity. It's disturbing. Uh, You know, I I like watching MMA as long as they're like... I just watched some last night, you know, as I was doing my bills... Conor McGregor fighting somebody, high, high level. Who was that? Oh, Khabib. Went all five rounds, I think, before Conor Tat. High level fighting. I mean, that's okay to me to watch that because they're not, they're just, it's a, it's athletic is what it is. And it's, it's not, it's not brutalization. It's got rules and regulations. You know, it's not like it used to be back in the early 90s. I don't care to watch men act like animals and beat each other down. But you know what? That's becoming entertainment. Uh, kids will walk up on the street and knock a guy out. Knockout game. I'm like, knockout game? Who in their right mind can get a kick out of that? Who, that just like makes a piece of my soul die when I see something like that. It is, it's not funny. I don't like it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to see it. And I certainly don't think it should be entertainment. You should arrest people that do that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Maybe break their wrist. No, I'm, I'm just saying. I, it's, it's just like there's, there's, there, that is just without natural affection. People beating up old ladies in, in entryways and just, just humanity, uh, callous, 
callous to, to what God really wants and what he designs without natural affection. And it's bad. You know, there's a song that Casting Crowns has that uh, says we save the whales and kill the children. I mean, it's institutionalized. We're not just talking about, you know, street-level idiots. Uh, we're talking about it's institutionalized. People, like I'll set up and... Which, by the way, I used to be, again, when I say I was, on, I was on the opposite side of everything at one point in my life, I know what it's like to justify abortion, you know. And uh, <clears throat> and and now I look back on myself and go, what in the world? I know men, not just women. I know men to this day, their hearts are grieved over how they they contributed to the death of their own children or someone else's child. Uh, it's it, as obviously along with the mother's. But my point is just saying uh, there's something wrong with with men because well their minds are blinded they're blind it's blinded from Christ Satan questions the authority of God while giving an impression he is the authority on God and let's just finish where we started let's go back to Genesis three I, I think I have time to wrap this up uh, adequately Genesis chapter three <clears throat> as we go back there in verses one through six. <clears throat> And you see how he beguiled Eve. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Question. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree, trees of the garden, which is true, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Of course, here we know that she added to the word of God. He only said, Ye should not eat of it. He never said you couldn't touch it. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God, hath, for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So what did he do there in verse 5? In verse 4 and 5, what he did there is he got her to doubt the integrity of God, the character of God. And, the, and when the woman saw that there was, the tree was good for food, it, could be, it was edible, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, well, you know what happened, just what happens to all of us. Her flesh lit up. And she took of the fruit thereof and, and did eat, right? She saw that, well, you know what, this is edible. And, you know, this does have benefits. And, and you know what? This, this is good for me. Somewhere in her brain she said that. Let me eat that thing. He must be right. And he gave unto her and, and also and gave unto her husband with her. Notice he's with her. And he did eat. And God addresses that. And you guys know the story. Adam was culpable because he knew better. Why didn't he intervene? Why didn't he... Step in, et cetera, et cetera. Why didn't he? I always said that. Why didn't he take that fruit and throw it at Satan? Right? Because he could touch it. No, I can touch the fruit, and I'm going to touch you with the fruit. Get out of here. Right? Resist the devil. He will flee. Adam failed. Eve failed. We all fail, don't we? So Satan plants the seeds that, that humans feed. In First John chapter 2 and verse 16, it says this, For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And we know that God's integrity was intact. He was trying to protect 
He'd given his, his, his creation everything. Everything, even the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they could touch it. They just couldn't eat it. That's the only thing. You can't eat this one thing out of all the trees of the garden. And that's just, it's amazing how Satan took that one place and was able to exploit it. Satan doesn't have to involve himself in our lives to the degree that God can and does. God truly desires a personal relationship through his indwelling Holy Spirit. I mean, that takes work. You all know that it takes work. It takes work to raise children. It takes work to have a relationship that lasts. Uh, it takes work to, to be in ministry. It takes work to, 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 to love people and to love God, right? It takes work. Satan doesn't love people. He's not working hard trying to do anything other than destroy us. Uh, I mean, Satan is, is wicked, capital W, definition of wicked. Uh, he, he desires the destruction of humanity through the impersonal devices that appeal to our senses. You know, so he uses that fruit as a tool to divide, to draw their senses and divide them up. So we shouldn't be surprised that much of what media does is manipulate our senses as we get into these last days. We need to be really sensitive to these things and understand it. Satan has been doing that for centuries. He's a master of it. Why would he get up close and personal with anyone if he doesn't have to? He don't care about us. When it comes to systematic, this, I mean, I, I'll give you an example. We went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I walk out of that theater, and I'm like telling my kid. I had this thought, because sometimes it gets cold. This is on a Monday evening in the theater. So I took this little sweat thing in, this little sweatshirt thing. I didn't end up wearing it because I wasn't cold in there, but... I told I had to be honest. I, was, I, I might have actually taken the sleeve a couple of times and took a little tear out of my eye. I mean, they got me crying over raccoons that aren't even real, you know. I'm like, I was telling Amy and Elizabeth, I'm like every emotional ploy you could ever pull out of the book is in that movie. If you haven't seen it, it is like one emotional. It's like it's just an emotional roller coaster on purpose. They made it that way, right? And you're sitting there. And you're like going, this is fake. This is crazy. But they have that right music in the background. You know, next thing you know, you're like all all weepy-eyed. I'm a grown man, for goodness sake. I know this is deception. But you know what? The devil has his devices. He knows how to manipulate our emotions. And uh, that's, you know, that honestly, it wasn't that. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a bad movie in the sense of, although it did have some bad language in it. Needlessly. Why? Didn't need it. But anyway... Man, he is the God of this world. He knows how to get a hold of our the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Man, I, I'm sorry. I, I think I... Oh, no, I'm in the right spot. Uh, he knows how to manipulate us. So Satan, uh, he is just a master of manipulating our, our senses. Satan has been doing that for centuries. And so when it comes to the systematic deception, that Satan has always been uh, the king of mass marketing. And you can see... Uh, only Jesus is the only man in history to resist his sales pitch. And I'm not going to turn to it for time's sake. But if you go back to Luke, you guys know Jesus was tempted. All points like us, yet without sin. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And when you look at false religion, and next time we get together, I'll get into some more like nuts and bolts of false religions um, next week. But when you look at all of them, ultimately there's an aspect of, of how they appeal 
um, you know, to the lust of the flesh, the, the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the very same things to deceive us about the character of who God is. There's a lie in all of those about who God is, who Jesus is. And every one of them, once they get you on that track, they'll take you off. And they'll get you in some other facet of the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And by the way, just to be fair to, be, you know, Baptists aren't, are, are not uh, exempt from this. Plenty of Baptists manipulate. And I even got to be careful. You know, I don't want to manipulate. Like Sunday morning, I think I said, I don't want to manipulate anybody. Right? People need to make their decisions based on the truth of God's word. And there's some guys that can get up and preach, and, man, they'll manipulate you emotionally to make decisions that really aren't the spirit of God. Right? And they're master manipulators. I think I grew up under one of those um, in the ministry. God uses them. God uses everybody. But, man, you got to be careful of those things. And uh, the devil is slick. But you know what? The cool thing is Jesus, he's the only perfect man. And, uh, and he is the only man that we need to be following. He is, and when you know his word and you cleave to his word, it keeps you. It keeps you pure. And it keeps us, uh, like Paul said, his desire to the Corinthians, right? And he's correcting them doctrinally. Is hey, guys, I want to keep you pure. Right, as a chaste virgin, I want to keep you ready for Christ's coming. I want you to be your fidelity needs to be to Christ. If you if you're if 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 you have a relationship with Christ, have a relationship with Christ. Don't have a bunch of other boyfriends out here, right? Don't go down here in Ephesus and, and go to the temple, and 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 worship down there because that appeals to your flesh. Don't don't you know? Don't go over here to Zeus because that appeals to, that appeals to your intellect, right? Stay faithful to Christ. Stay faithful to Christ. Satan will never be omnipotent. He doesn't have to be. His heresies, his heresies exploit the depravity of human nature. That's why he doesn't have to be omnipotent. He is not leading humanity into self-destruction, depravity through the... uh, I'm sorry, if he is not leading, I misstated that. If he is not leading humanity into self-destructive depravity through the lusts of the flesh... He has them deceived that he is leading them into heaven on earth through the pride of life. And you have to be very careful with this. The only way to combat the lies of Satan is to rest in the word of God. I heard today a very articulate exposition of, of, of some of the social ills uh, using the law of Moses and, uh, and the United States Constitution and the, and the laws by a lawyer. And I'm listening to all this. I'm like, man, this dude is on it. He could, you know, technically stop the forces of evil just based on all of his great positions and his his truth from the law and all of that. But at the end of the day, what do you get when it's done? If you have morality without Jesus, you don't have anything. You're still lost. As I was sitting there listening to that and agreeing with everything this guy said, at the end of the day, that doesn't save a soul. What really changes people is Jesus Christ. And what the devil wants to do is separate people's hearts from the truth of this book. The the truth is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to the Father. He is the Son. There's no other way to heaven, but he's the only way to heaven. It's through him. Now, I know we say that, and it's almost like, yeah, we know all that, we know all that. I know we know all that, but that is what has beguiled the people of this world. They don't really believe that. And many of us Christians don't walk around like we believe it either. And that 
is the biggest heresy of them all. So as we go through next week and we get into some of these um, particular groups, uh, we've got to be careful you know, to judge ourselves lest we be judged. Because, uh, guys, if there's anybody on the planet that's going to rightly divide the word of God, it's going to be you, Pope. It's going to be people in little churches like ours, people who hold fast to the faithful word as they've been taught. But we've got to be careful because the devil, man, he is smooth. And, uh, and your adversary is slick. And so Jesus is the, he's the only one that's going to keep us. He'll keep like David. He keeps our feet from slipping. All right? And so humble yourselves. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And, uh, and, and of course, we will be protected and prevail. But uh, don't get puffed up with pride and get arrogant, thinking, oh, i got all the answers. I know how to rightly divide the word. I know the two kingdoms. I know the seven dispensations. I know, yeah, yeah, we can know all of that and still get into a lot of trouble. So humility is the very first thing that you're going to see out of Jesus. Jesus was super humble. He was humble. And he knew everything. You know what? He didn't tell everybody everything he knew. He told them what they needed to know. So when we go out to the park this weekend, let's tell people what they need to know. And that's Jesus. You know what? You might run into some people that are in some gross sin. You know what they need to know more than anything else? Is Jesus. They need to know Jesus. I'm not saying we don't deal with gross sin, but ultimately the only thing that can deal with gross sin is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, no man's going to come to the Father but by him. If it wasn't for his love for us, when he died on the cross, he didn't, he didn't exempt anyone that would call upon his name. His power is enough to save. So let's do this. Let's close in a word of prayer and, uh, and ask God to, to really show up this weekend. Uh, let's just start with... Uh, um, are you guys, did you, oh, you already had this keeping them in stitches this week, didn't you? Uh, did that go good last night? Yeah. Let's just pray over these. We got a lot of things God's just bringing to us that are just here to, to win people to Christ and draw us together in unity. Let's pray right now that God would do that. Uh, as we talk about false religions and comparative religions, we'll do that next week, and I'll be more technical about some of that. But this was my introduction, and, and I, let's just pray about what God's going to do in our church uh, and when I say our church, I mean all of us. This is our church. This is Jesus has bought us all, and we're here with him. So let's close. Heavenly Father, we.